All right, Creatures of the Night and the Pod Street crew out there. This is Alex Dorio here, one half of the Talking Taker podcast, and I am bringing you another classic Talking Taker episode back from the dead here for the month of March. And of course, it is WrestleMania season. We are a week away from this year's edition of the granddaddy of them all. So, of course, we're going to look back at a classic Undertaker-WrestleMania match on this month's edition of Back from the Dead. Of course, there's so many great ones to choose from, and there's so many great ones to choose from that are celebrating anniversaries this year here in 2023. Uh, But I think the one that would be best to look at is the match that's celebrating its 25th anniversary this year, taking place all the way back at WrestleMania 14. Of course, it was The Undertaker's first real big match at WrestleMania. He'd main evented WrestleMania, but this was arguably easily his most important WrestleMania match up until this point is The Undertaker versus his brother Kane for the very first time here at WrestleMania 14, a match that is so important. Uh, As I've said before on the podcast, I really think it gets undersold how important this match was, how pivotal it was in selling this pay-per-view, and in really helping change the momentum of the company. Uh, The WWF is there fighting against WCW Obviously, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mike Tyson and Shawn Michaels and DX get a lot of credit, and they deserve it because that storyline was huge as well. And Vince McMahon and the Montreal Screwjob, all of that. But The Undertaker and Kane played a pivotal role. It is, to me, when I was watching this pay-per-view when I was 12 years old, it was as big of a selling point to see The Undertaker versus Kane for the first time as much as it was to see the main event and to see Stone Cold win the WWF Championship. And I think that's true for a lot of people out there, especially if you're in the PSK and you're listening to this episode here. So uh, I want you to check out this classic episode. Uh, it's episode 45 originally of the podcast. It was recorded uh, around the summertime of 2018. So it's been about five years since Travis and I originally recorded this episode. Uh, a couple things jump out to me uh, about remembering recording this episode. I think this was the first time Travis and I were ever late in putting out an episode. You know, for five years, we tried to put out uh, an episode every single Friday. Well, excuse me, not five years. I guess the original run of the podcast was about four and a half years. So, uh, yeah, for about that long, we put out an original episode every single Friday. And we hit that about 96, 97% of the time. I think only maybe two or three times we ever missed that Friday uh, putting an episode out. And so much of that was on my co-host, Travis White. He's the one who pushed for that. Uh, A lot of times I would say, "Uh, you want to take a break? You want to take a couple weeks off? Uh, You want to reset? He'd be like, nope, we're powering through. We're doing this every single week. It's important to get them out every single week. And uh, to his credit, man, he he had two kids and then three kids at the time. And sometimes he'd podcast uh, while holding the baby in his arms, while giving him a bottle, while changing a diaper uh, or, or cleaning up throw up. He would be podcasting. Uh, sometimes he'd have to go out to the car, to, to the minivan, uh, because he didn't want to be too loud while the kids were sleeping. You know, he was so committed throughout all of this stuff. Um, and it, pretty much anytime we missed the deadline, it was basically on me. Either uh, I had a couple of recording uh, issues, some malfunctions with my computer software, and this one in particular. I was out working at a uh, children's camp. Uh, I was on location. Uh, A friend of mine asked me to come out and uh, run some games and some skits for their camp. 
uh, out in North Carolina at the beach. So I went out there and uh, I really I had planned on us being able to record uh, one of the nights, but I just didn't know my lodging situation. Uh, I was staying at these friends' house. They had kids and there was just no way for me to really uh, have a nice quiet space to record at night without waking people up. And uh, I didn't want to halfway do it for this episode because I knew this episode was special. I knew this episode was important. You know, maybe the most important podcast we'd done up to this point and the most important match we'd covered. So uh, I just told Travis, look, man, uh, let's we got to push it back. We got to record on Saturday or Sunday. I don't want to uh, have this one sound bad. I don't want to be cautious. I don't want to have to interrupt us getting... Uh, me waking up the kids or something like that. So uh, we pushed it back, put it out a couple days late. I don't know if anyone noticed or anyone cared, but it's something that I remember about this episode. Uh, but it's just such a culmination, so much great stuff to talk about here. Uh, so many memorable moments that you're going to relive through this episode uh, as we celebrate the 25th anniversary for it. It's good timing. We just had the Kane biography come on A&E. So uh, hopefully that whets your appetite for this. Uh, so enjoy this. Uh, be sure to check out our last episode that was just out, The Complete History, uh, The Life and Times of Paul Bearer, a tribute to him 10 years after his passing. Of course, you'll hear a lot of talk about Kane and about this match in that episode. Uh, be sure to be on the lookout April 1st for our April episode. We're going to be looking back at another WrestleMania match celebrating its anniversary this year, the 10-year anniversary of... Undertaker and CM Punk at WrestleMania 29. And boy, again, couldn't be more timely with CM Punk coming back in the wrestling world and in the news. So uh, check that out. We're doing a watch along with our friend of the show, Watch Along Tommy at Watch Along Wrestling. Uh, and I'm also, I've been a guest on his show recently. I'm not sure when it's going to come out, but uh, be on the lookout on his YouTube channel. Uh, we're doing a retrospective, another anniversary, WrestleMania 34, looking back uh, at The Undertaker and John Cena and that whole card uh, that I got to attend. And uh, be sure to check out the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast if you need more Taker talk in your life. Uh, if you haven't seen that yet, Travis and I joined Mike and JV. Uh, we did a little run-in on their 316-day special uh, covering a classic episode of Livewire. Wow, <laughs> didn't think we'd ever cover an episode of Livewire. But very, very fun to join them. Uh, we were honored to be asked to be a part of their 316 day special go check that out on the bottom line wrestling cast feed and uh yeah i will shut up and uh so you can hear me and travis talk even more here on this edition of back from the dead the original episode 45 of talking taker looking back at wrestlemania 14 the undertaker versus kane enjoy and take her easy Alright everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 45 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, I am at Alex Dorio on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. I am one of your co-hosts here, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined as always by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night, Twitterless, Travis White. Travis, I'm excited to finally be getting into episode 45 here. I'm on a little bit of a delay. I was out of town working at a camp, and uh, I understand you got to become your favorite superhero for a few days. I did. Yeah, you know, anybody who's listening to this knows that I'm a huge Batman mark. Uh, bring him up as often as I can. 
and I actually had to come as close as I possibly could to becoming uh, Batman this week. So, long story short, uh, we thought we had some mice in the attic, my wife and I, and uh, went out there to get them out, and uh, three bats flew out of my siding on the side of my house. And uh, later on, uh, I still hear them in there, and uh, my wife was freaking out, screaming like someone murdered our children, and uh, luckily they hadn't. But uh, I got up, I got up on the roof with um, my neighbor, and we were beating on the attic, and uh, about 14 or 13 more, I think, flew out. Uh, yeah, almost terrified me, almost knocked me off my house, probably about a 25 foot, 30 foot drop. So <laughs> I have a new respect for Jeff Hardy being on top of my roof, and new respect for Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah, yeah, man, it was incredible. So that's a little bit of our delay too. I had to deal with some bats, the bat problem. Well, we so. have dealt with the bats. I have uh, <laughs> dealt with the kids I was wrangling all week. And we are ready to dive into a huge historic moment and match in the Undertaker's career. WrestleMania 14, his first ever matchup with his brother Kane. Uh, before we get into that, though, just uh, real quick, wanted to touch on, of course, uh, very sad news this week as we lost yeah. the man they call Vader, passed away. This week, you know, we've talked about him at length on, I believe, three episodes of our show so far. The Royal Rumble 97, Final Four 97, and Canadian Stampede. I know we've kind of gone back and forth on uh, how we felt on some of his matches with The Undertaker specifically, but I know, Travis, both for both of us, there's no doubt he is one of our favorite performers of all time, I think, especially yeah. for the WCW run. <clears throat> And uh, sad to see him pass away, especially before he went into the Hall of Fame. And I hope that does get rectified for him and for his family very, very soon. Uh, Hall of Fame induction. Any other thoughts you'd like to offer about the Mastodon, the girthy one, Vader? The man they call Vader? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, man, it is. it was sad. You know, I guess, you know, he's had health problems and we should have seen it coming. But I just didn't expect it, you know, especially one of your guys you look up to as a child. You know, go back and watching his battles with Sting and with Flair and Steamboat and stuff. That's the Vader I remember and know and love. Even though I wasn't watching religiously back then, he always stood out. He and Sting always stood out to me um, as a as a kid flipping through it, 605 on TBS or whatever it was. Um, but then, yeah, we've talked about his battles here in the WWF. And, uh, man, I'll never forget Final Four with him. He just slugging away and just being so awesome. And, yeah, rest in peace, Vader. Um, we had some good... Good, good times going over your matches here, and uh, even though I may have crapped on your last one, I apologize. But um, you know, it does, it's, it's because of the bar that he sat so highly earlier on in his career. So it wasn't anything personal, but yeah, we're gonna miss him, and hopefully he gets to go in the Hall of Fame sooner rather than later. So. Well, you can hear our thoughts on that Final Four match and all of his matches with The Undertaker over in our archives. You can go to talkingtaker.podbean.com or search for us on all the podcasting services as well to hear those episodes. Go check out his matches, though, for sure. Go That Final Four match especially. There's also a really cool casket match that he had with The Undertaker on a house show that's over on the uh, uh, old school section on the WWE Network. We didn't talk about it on the show, but... I think I posted it on the social media uh, at, at some yeah. point over there. Really cool hidden gem over there. But uh, in better news, uh, we do want to send a shout-out as well to one of our loyal listeners, old Randy Turco, Pokey's little dog, and congratulate him on his newborn baby. He shouted us out on Twitter to let us know that. Also shared with us some pictures of a house show he went to around this time from WrestleMania 14 where we got to see Kane against Chains in a matchup <laughs> of... Uh, 
the Under Faker versus the Undertaker's brother. Uh, a little warm up match there for Kane. So congratulations, my man. Hope you're listening to this, and uh, hopefully, maybe you're getting some rest in peace. I doubt it though, so, since you got a <laughs> yeah. little little creature of the night running around. Exactly, little leech of the night, little creature of the night, little pokey's little puppy. I guess we could say. So yeah, good on you, mate. <laughs> you know, good good job. Keep listening, and sorry we're three days late here, but it is what it is. It is what it is, but it's well worth the wait. Just like this yeah. match over oh, yeah. a- almost a year's <clears throat> worth of build here between Undertaker and Kane. It's just been incredible to go through, really starting around that time of Revenge of the Taker when Undertaker was burned, or excuse me, Undertaker burned Paul Bearer, threw that fireball at him, and then Paul Bearer decided to to go all out against the Undertaker and reveal all of his deep dark secrets and that takes their, their matchup finally takes place Undertaker and Kane here at WrestleMania 14 and before we we get into that build this final part of the build up here I just want to talk a little bit about I mean this match's place in history because of course mm-hmm. everyone remembers WrestleMania 14 it's a real turning point for the WWF with Shawn Michaels against Stone Cold Steve Austin, Stone Cold getting his rise to the top, all the stuff with Mike Tyson, which is incredible. And, you know, we're not going to talk about it too much here because it doesn't have much to do with The Undertaker. It's it's memorable. It's historic. It's awesome stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it gets all of that, gets all the credit for the big changing of the guard here with the WWF, with it finally taking over WCW here shortly after this pay-per-view. But I really think, going back and watching this, that... You know, having such a strong number two match and Undertaker and Kane and having this incredible buildup, I think that really helps take this WrestleMania 14 show over the top. You know, uh, there's you know, WrestleMania 13. Uh, unfortunately, that's a one-match show. Undertaker and may have made invented, and, you know, we yeah. <laughs> celebrated that, his title reign here on this show. But, yeah, it's a one-match show. Undertaker, I mean, excuse me, Austin versus Bret Hart is what people remember that show for. Uh, looking back the year before, the Iron Man match, again, WrestleMania 12, that's a one-match show. You can look at this at WrestleMania 14 and say, Undertaker and Kane, yeah, it's not as important as the main event, but it's right up there, dude. It is right, I think, on that same level. I think people were there to see that match. People ordered this pay-per-view to see that match as well. And you can look in the audience and see a lot of the signs out there. There's a lot of Undertaker and Kane signs in the crowd, too. I think this match deserves a lot of credit for boosting this show. I mean, what do you think? Oh, man, I completely agree, and especially as we um, are going to go through here and break down the uh, the build-up, you see a lot of episodes of Raw structured around, you know, not only the Austin Tyson stuff, but around this as well, you know? So it really does play a big part in, like, you know, all these little um, in-your-house pay-per-views we've been reviewing. They're pretty much one-match shows, a lot of these. For sure. So, yeah, having, having this second... Uh, match just such a big program built on 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 the same card with Austin and Michaels really definitely helped put it over the edge and this is a this is a fantastic show from top to bottom uh I mean in this place in history maybe the matches aren't all five star or whatever right. but it's just it's a great pay-per-view it's the beginning of WCW's death and WWE's takeover of them or WWF's and it's just it's fantastic recommend this show top to bottom yeah, I really consider this one going back. It's really kind of the first of this modern age of WrestleManias. It's, you know, it, yeah. it, it, you do feel like every match matters. Every match has a storyline. Aside from maybe the the light heavyweight title match is kind of the exception right. to that one, but you know, it's still you know, it has its place on the show. It's a good little match. It's a good time filler. You're you're trying they're still committed to that light heavyweight division here at this point in time, but 
really every match has a storyline. It has importance. And previous WrestleMania, oh yeah, you've got even that in the tag team battle yeah. royal. Previous WrestleManias don't have that same feeling where it just feels the whole show feels epic. They're like we said, one match shows a lot of them, and this one kind of takes you to that next level. It really, I, I went back and watched all the WrestleManias in order uh, a few years ago when we were getting ready to go to WrestleMania 27, and a lot of them just feel like you know, average pay-per-views. And this right. this is one of the first ones where it really starts feeling like WrestleMania, like this, right? you know, that WrestleMania feel. I don't know any other way to describe it. but No, it really there, feels there's like no other way to describe it. But I'll tell you what, the set, the set does not feel like WrestleMania. No, we'll they're talk not about quite that at that level yet. The yeah. No, they're not yeah. there yet. But I'm just, I'm just picking. But uh, yeah, you're, you're right. right though, man. This one definitely feels like the first big time wrestlemania you know like it's it's they're gonna go after this they're gonna go all out and make sure that all the storylines are culminating here and everything so really cool stuff but um, very cool stuff and the build-up again very very cool too let's let's get into it very excited to talk about this um that like we left off at royal rumble 1998 with the undertaker being burned in a casket by kane and then mysteriously disappearing out of the casket somehow that night. And we pick up with the night after the Royal Rumble. And Paul Bearer comes out and opens the show with another A-plus performance, I would say. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is great because it's got Undertaker's old music, you know. And Paul Bearer comes out all giddy and just the crowd is booing him all over the place man he's just he's he's probably the best heel in the company you know yeah, just, yeah. i mean Kashan still gets the cheers from the women you know but paul bear gets straight heat from everybody in the building you know so i, I never even thought about that he probably is the best heel in the whole company I, you know point. it's it's a hot race between him and Shawn michaels yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I said, these girls are still going to cheer Sean, but they can't help it. Nobody's cheering the fat man here. That's true. But speak, speaking of that, so he's he's just loving it. He's <laughs> eating it up, and he's like, he goes, I got you, <laughs> What a hideous human being is Paul Bear. Man, it's so awesome. He's got this you suck chance from the crowd, which, again, later on, in the, as years roll by, that'll be – a huge part of uh, company history, but well, he's he getting responds you to suck them too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the chanting "you suck," and he says, "Well, if I do, I must be good." <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. TV fourteen. Yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> not sure what he's talking about there. We'll leave it up to your interpretation. So, um, but you know, he goes on. He's like, you know, I had each and every one of you in the palm of my hand. And he goes on to say something I think you and I would both agree on. He says that he should have gotten a Golden Globe last week for his, or two weeks ago for his performance. Of course, he's talking about when he came out all disheveled and looking like a, you know your drunk uncle at your you know funeral wake or something. But uh, <laughs> I agree, man. He should have gotten a, a Golden Globe for that. I guess Golden Globes are on at this time or something. Yeah, yeah, they, they might come have, out in January. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So. Uh, yeah, but he go he makes a good point, and I think I, I think one of us mentioned it in last week's episode about Undertaker smiles. Uh, you know, when when he and Kane both embraced each other, and you know Undertaker smiled, and, and Paul Bear goes on and says, you know, you saw that, you saw him the first time he smiled um, in seven years. But uh, you know, re- and he recaps kind of what we saw in the video and talks about a little girl that was crying in the audience when he saw her there, and when he's pouring gasoline on the casket and chopping it up, so. So what now, basically, is how he ends there. Right. He is just, he's loving this. He's hes overjoyed. He's so excited. He's 
tripping over his words in this promo. And uh, the big plan that Paul Bear has concocted over these past you know, six months plus has now finally come to pass. Undertaker is gone and is never to return when all of a sudden the bell tolls. The Undertaker's music hits again. The casket comes rolling out with a crew of druids. You know, not Ugh. the... Uh... <laughs> J-Bronz again. <laughs> Some guys uh. they randomly found off the street, possibly, potentially. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But uh, JR mentions on commentary that, like we said, the... When the Royal Rumble went off the air, the officials were able to put out the fire and open up the casket, and the Undertaker was nowhere to be found. So the announcers are confused. They don't know what's happening. It's kind of very similar to SummerSlam 96, where the Undertaker was yeah. carried away after the Boiler Room Brawl. Then that next night on Raw, he's carried back into the arena, confusing Paul Bear. So it's kind of playing off that, except this time... When the casket opens, Kane's pyro shoots up off the turnbuckles. His music play plays, and Jr. says, "That's not the Undertaker. That's his dastardly brother, Kane." <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Jr. <clears throat> no subtlety there. Never. Yeah, yeah. It's what a great ruse, though. You know, from Paul Bear's perspective, it's really good, and it really just tick ticks off the audience. You know, so because they think that they're getting Taker back, and here right. they go, and. And Paul usually says, that is what would happen. Usually we'd right, see Undertaker yeah. come right back. Yeah, exactly. So um, Paul Bearer tells us, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the last surviving member of the Undertaker's family, Kane. And that's the way I like it, because I'm Paul Bearer, and you're not. Yes, brings back <laughs> his old catchphrase. <laughs> his old catchphrase back in the mix here. Yes. So, um, but man, you know, they never mention Undertaker's name. He never has a name. It's just Undertaker's family. Kane's got a name. It's always Undertaker's True. family, Undertaker. You know, they never say his name, which I guess technically his name was Kane, the Undertaker, as we covered back in episode one. So uh, That is a great yeah. point. We don't know his real name. Or, or maybe that is his real name. Maybe that is his birth name. We just don't know. <laughs> Und- <laughs> well, never thought about that. <laughs> they never they just say, you know, your mommy and daddy, your mom and father, and he, your brother Kane, but Undertaker's just name is just Undertaker throughout all this. So. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing, uh, throughout the night, we get some more playing into the Undertaker with DX's rivalry here for one more night. Uh, Sean Michaels is backstage, and he, or does he, I think he comes out in the arena. Yeah, yeah he, oh, is out he starts out backstage, I think. Okay, well, he's very upset about what he did, what happened to the Undertaker last night. He's acting like he's crying and Promising yeah. that D-Generation X is going to go find The Undertaker tonight. So they have a lot of skits throughout this episode of Raw where they're trying to find The Undertaker. There's a hearse in the arena, and they open up the doors, and there's a bunch of <laughs> ladies of the night or something in this. Yeah, not creatures of the night, ladies <laughs> of the night, yeah. And they or... fool around with them in the in the hearse. Uh, there's They interrogate some of the minis backstage, trying to see if they've seen The Undertaker. <laughs> All this and this is that iconic moment when China picks the mini up and, stay, and holds him in front of Shawn Michaels' face so he can interrogate him. But you know what it reminded me of? Of Leslie, it was when Leslie Nielsen was searching for the Undertaker. Yeah, um, it's very, it's back done at very Summer much Slam. for comedy. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny yeah. stuff. Basically, DX can't find him. They can't find Undertaker, and so at this point, we um, later on in the show we have Undertaker's music hits. You know, and at this point, if I'm in the audience, I'm getting a little, a little tired of his music hitting and, and what's about to happen so his music hits and this figure descends very very slowly from the rafters but it looks like undertaker the way they're shooting it 
um, he looks, he thinks Undertaker coming down, and the crowd, crowd's cheering. You know, they're hearing his music, but then they start to they start to see something's not going on, right? right? But then, but commentary is selling his return. It's huge. You know, the crowd's cheering, and um, there's this figure in the middle of the ring. And at this point, you kind of realize this isn't him. This guy's about eight inches shorter. And um, anyway, this this cloaked figure goes and and uh, raises the lights and uh, goes to take the the hat off, and then DX music hits, and it's Shawn Michaels. Here in the ring, so yeah, another one. You know, I guess Paul Barry said earlier, "I got you, didn't I?" So I guess Sean could have said the same thing right here. So two ruses in one night on Undertaker probably could have stretched us over a few <laughs> few weeks of Raw, but dude, they're just they're firing everything at the at the wall to see if what sticks, you know, and trying to beat WCW in the ratings. So they are. This all. is uh, <laughs> of course the iconic Raw where Mike Tyson and Stone Cold have their confrontation. So that's a big thing they're throwing at the wall that that definitely sticks. Yeah. On this night, so like we said, you know that's not our—it's uh, not the subject of our podcast. Of course, it's a historic moment, though a must-watch. I mean, I can't believe there's anyone out there that hasn't seen that. But if you haven't, right. that's what you got to watch this episode of Raw for. And the, well, go ahead. The, I was saying one thing I wanted to mention that Sean does say—it's kind of funny. He's you know he mentions how the Undertaker's done because of DX with absolutely no help from anyone. I just thought that was <laughs> nice little nice little heel tactic. It is. No one no one helped him. You know, at all. Even though we all know Kane's the one that won that match and then lit him on fire. So, well, DX says Undertaker's done. Kane and Paul Bear are acting like the Undertaker's done too because they're going to move on for this next month to a feud with Vader, uh, which you know, timely that we're talking about this. That's yeah. going to be Kane's next feud here. And you know, we're not going. I don't think we need to go week by week through this build up no. to No Way Out. But you know, they uh, have. Typical Kane build here, I guess. Yeah, Kane comes out and attacks Vader, uh, gives him the tombstone, and then Vader comes out one week and uh, uses a fire extinguisher to attack Kane. Uh, the coolest... That's apparently kryptonite. It's kryptonite, yes, apparently. Because as soon as Vader sprays it, Kane just bolts, man. <laughs> yeah, he gets out of there. <laughs> I guess uh, that has to do with his old fire aspect. Oh, well, yeah, I, I understand. I understand. Uh, my favorite part is one week Kane comes out with a clock, that's set to Vader time, and then he makes that <laughs> clock spontaneously combust in the ring. Which uh, yep. I don't know who wrote that, but kudos. Yeah, <laughs> kudos that, that clock. That clock. Well, they got it from Dollar General, but it was awesome. <laughs> it has a little Vader thing on it. Yeah, and it's it's time. It's time. It's Vader time, and it, it blows up and catches fire. So, uh, and Paul Bear also makes sure that week. I think that's Raw on February 9th, He makes sure to say Taker's gone for eternity. So that's the week right before. Um, uh, a no way out. But one thing I want to mention: Did you see that when they he, Kane choke slammed some guy named Wink Collins? Yeah. There's a guy in the ring named Wink. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, if you know who Wink Collins is, please <laughs> please find him. Please let us know. He he took a he um took a choke slam, I believe, and a and a, a tombstone from Kane. So uh, you know who he a, is? Random guy from the back or something, isn't he? The... Did he work for them? Do you remember during the SummerSlam build when they had the million dollar giveaway commercials yeah. with all the clues? He's the guy in those commercials every week. No way. Yeah, he's the guy what? like that gives out the clues and all those commercials. I think. He's, oh, okay. He's in one of the Billionaire Ted sketches too. So I, I don't know what he did actually for the company, but yeah. somebody they've used. I I think this is the only time he's ever come out on Raw and been given a name. It's really, really weird. <laughs> yeah, but, well, he was on national television in front yeah. of two and a half billion people, so. <laughs> But anyway. it, it's you know it's building towards this thing that we're gonna see here uh, after No Way Out, where Kane continues to attack 
innocent people. You know, he's been yes. attacking wrestlers and coming out and interrupting them, but then he starts going after guys like Wink Collins, and then, as we'll see, he goes after the timekeeper, goes after some fans, some production people, and starts attacking them too. So this is kind of the beginning of that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess, yeah, so at this point, Kane is wrestling, you know, at No Way Out, and he beats Vader. I don't remember how he won. I think probably a tombstone, I guess. I mean, again, this is not Razor Kane. This is Talking Taker, so. Um, it's a pretty good match, you know, for, for what it is. It's kind of brutal. Okay, uh, Vader gets real bloody here. Kane beats him up with a wrench and puts Vader out of action for a couple months. I don't know how much of that, if it was a shoot injury or, right. or worked, but he does. Vader is on the shelf for a, a little while to heal up. So, you know, again, putting Kane over strong, making him look like a monster, and he gets a big, important win going into the WrestleMania build. Yeah, well, somebody also had a one of their final matches at No Way Out. Would you like to care to comment here? Yes, this is not an episode of Raising Kane, but it is an episode of This Week <laughs> in the Cheek. And sadly, Travis, this is our series finale of This Week <sighs> in the Cheek because Ahmed Johnson has his very last match with the company at No Way Out 1998 as part of an eight-man tag uh, going up against the Nation of Domination. He does go out with a win on that team, but man, what a sad, sad way to watch the Chiefs' career crumble. You know, he, he came in like a lion, garbling, unintelligible nonsense on the top of his lungs, <laughs> and he went out like a lamb. Covered in fluffy padding all over his entire body. What a journey. Excellent. What a journey. So sad to see him go. I'm going to be sad not seeing him on Raw every week as we watch these. And um, Yeah, well, see you later, Ahmed, I guess. So Come long. On. I'm just There's kidding. There's no way to talk about no. Sir Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Sir Ahmed. Yeah, it will be sad not to have it this week in the cheek anymore. Um, we'll find something else, I'm sure. So there's lots of lots of garbage to sift through and fun stuff to sift through in these next coming coming months. But the good thing though, we didn't do a we didn't do a Ahmed Johnson podcast. It's, it's been yet. about 14 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, it's it's kind of a, a testament to the power of the Undertaker. Looking at Ahmed Johnson's career, it spanned about three years, give or take a yeah. few months. But you know, he came in so hot, came in so strong, tons of potential, tons of charisma. And he just didn't hold up, and the you know, mm. uh, it, he just he, he jumped off the camera at you. Very magnetic personality, yeah. But he just <clears throat> never added on to that, and his body gave out on him in many different ways. But there's so many guys like that that we've seen along the ways. They're just full of potential, but they just can't cut the mustard. And you look at the Undertaker, 28 years in the WWE, and still going. Going to yeah. be competing at Madison Square Garden here in a couple months. Uh, and and down be, under. And, and, in Australia <laughs> yeah. at that Super Smackdown or whatever crappy name that show. I forgot. I said it should be called it. Smackdown Under. That's what they should have <laughs> called it. That would be great. WWE Smackdown Under. That would be great. They but wouldn't do that. It, it just goes to show what a rare case The Undertaker is. You know, he came in obviously full of potential, yeah. and he more than lived up to it. You know, he didn't just coast on that. He truly grow. He, he nope. truly grew. He truly had talent that was off the charts. He's not just a, a big guy that got a lot of breaks. You know, he right. really, really brought it and far surpassed what anyone could have 
believed was possible for him. And oh. Kane, in a lot of ways, is kind of the second best example of that. Sure. And if those of you are, are actually sad about um, Ahmed Johnson leaving our show, you can go on and watch WCW Nitro in 1999. He'll resurface as Big <laughs> T. So, uh, anyway. But Big yeah. T. <laughs> yeah. Especially with cutting the mustard. He down some bottles of mustard and hot dogs and it looks like he's a big big fella at that point but anyway yeah all this in all seriousness what you just said about taker man it is a testament it's the reason we're even doing this show because he's still alive and kicking the dead man's alive and kicking so um after we'll take no our way prozac out, for you ahmed johnson be yeah, sure to take exactly. our prozac exactly after no way out we got raw 247 and uh, this is a unique one because it's preempted in america until that saturday it's a saturday night raw which they didn't do a big Saturday Night Raw like presentation or anything like that for it, but um, again it's preempted for the Westminster Dog Show because you know dogs are more important than wrestling I guess at this point. Um, and then however it is shown live in Canada that night. I just thought that was neat and I just thought it was cool. Something happens on that show that um involves Kane. Here I'll let you talk about it. So yeah, um, and, mean, and one of our favorites in in real life. Another one of our favorites, old <laughs> Dude Dude Doc Hendricks comes out. <laughs> To introduce a match, looking like he just walked out of Logan's Roadhouse, just shut it down, man. Just cut off sleeve, raw t-shirt, tucked into black jeans and cowboy boots. Oh, it's fantastic. He comes out to uh, Bad Street. It's great. Um, yeah, man. Well, he's about to introduce the match, and like I said, Kane's going to start attacking innocent people here. Lights go out. Uh, Doc's ready to fight, though. He takes off his cowboy boot and goes after Kane with it, like hitting him with the cowboy boot. But he eats a choke slam and a tombstone, and I don't know how he didn't break his neck, man. He went straight on his head in this tombstone, dude. Brother, uh, brother Doc hadn't taken a bump in a while. Yeah, he hadn't. And although, I mean, I'll say this: Kane is not as crisp with the tombstone as no, Taker is. No, 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 no. And if you remember, listeners, back at the beginning. Taker wasn't so crisp with him either. He almost broke Coco Beware's neck and Jake's neck. Oh, yeah. All kind of stuff. So, yeah. Apparently, it takes a while to get used to that to that move. But, yeah, man. Um, Paul Bear got off a d- good line here and said, The free bird is grounded! Yelled it into the camera. <laughs> Appreciated that. He's so good. Oh, yes. He's he, the he's unsung hero of this whole entire podcast. You know, Paul I'll Bear. be honest. When he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, you know, right after his passing, I kind of... I remember kind of rolling my eyes a little bit, just thinking like, well, you know, I love Paul Bear. He's great. But like, sure. is he really a Hall of Famer? You know, he kind of just had, he was just part of the Undertaker's package. Does he really belong right. in the Hall of Fame? But God, watching back on this, no question, man, he is incredible Hall of Famer. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I don't have any doubt in my mind anymore. Nope, not at all. Yeah, he, he deserved it. And I can't wait till we get to that build up for that match as well because he his <laughs> death comes his death comes into play for that one too. Yes. Yeah. So, All right, uh, let's talk about the next week, uh, Raw two forty eight, February twenty yeah, third. Twenty third. So this is t- in, the, in the United States. This has been two nights later. You saw Raw on Saturday. And you got Raw on Monday. So that's <laughs> yeah, kind of neat. But double shot. You got a uh, uh, Mr. NWA Barry Windham is about to pin Takamichi Noku here, and uh, which again light heavyweight division. I don't. I guess not. I'm not sure what's going on. But anyway, Barry's about to pin Taka, and Kane's intro hits and his music, and he comes out and he hits a choke slam and a tombstone to completely bury the light heavyweight champion here, uh, Taka. He just puts him away, and at this point, um, Paul Bearer says, um, is this where he says, you know, he's, he talks to Stone Cold. He says, there's only yeah. one superstar I mentioned, and that's Stone Cold Steve Austin, which 
that came out of left field for me. <laughs> me too. You know, and I was I don't watching, remember this. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. I was watching Mm-mm. pretty vividly uh, at this point, or pretty religiously at this point as a sixth grader at Columbia Middle School in Augusta, Georgia. But I do not remember Kane calling out Stone Cold Steve Austin in the middle of all the uh, Mike Tyson, Shawn Michaels yeah. stuff. Uh, me so, neither. Yeah, that was interesting. I guess he he feels like he's taking out the Undertaker. He's taking out Vader. Why not continue to go after the championship here? Makes sense, yeah. I guess. Makes sense from a storyline perspective. So, again, he calls him out and says he's going to have a match with Austin next week. You know, if he'll meet him. So Yeah, Raw 249 on March 2nd. That's where we see the payoff for this weird thing with Stone Cold. Uh, they start the show with DX in the ring. Stone Cold interrupts them. Kane interrupts all three of them. Everybody out there says he's going to send Stone Cold straight to hell. Then later on in the show, Kane comes out and confronts Stone Cold. Uh, Paul Bearer says it's going to be a shock when Stone Cold wakes up next to the Undertaker in the pits of hell. And then Stone Cold gets ambushed by DX at the top of the stage. So really this is all just a ploy for DX to be able to attack Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't know if DX paid off Kane or something or Paul Bearer or something like that. Sort of implying some sort of alliance between them two without actually saying it. But they never really go anywhere with that. Yeah, kind of like the Bariquas when they paid them off, yeah. you know? Like, who knows if that's what's going on here, but anyway, I guess it doesn't matter. But yeah, the, Sean gets gets a super kick Austin in the face, so we don't actually see the match of Austin versus Kane, which yeah. maybe that's why we don't remember it, is because we never saw it here, but right. I don't we know. We will see it in a few months, but not here. Sure. Yeah. Kane's going to have a night of glory against Austin, so um, anyway, but then after the commercial break, Paul Bear and Kane are still in the ring. Uh, and um, B- Paul Bear instructs Kane to go get the ring bell and to get the timekeeper because he wants to have a 10 count, you know, and say that he beat Austin. And on the way out there, there's some guy in the front row who has a Stone Cold shirt on, and I, I couldn't see – did he jump over the guardrail or did Kane bring, no. pull him over the Kane guardrail? Kane pulls him over the guardrail. I rewound this to see if – he punched Kane, I think, which I think he did. I don't know what happened exactly, but yeah, Kane pulls this fan over the guardrail and murders him on live <laughs> television. Yeah, and the camera does not shoot it up close. Like right. the camera shot that we see on the network is is the is the hard cam way far away. So it makes me think it was a shoot. <laughs> like it, it was not a work. No idea because the announcers are saying uh, we need to get some help out here. There's a fan <laughs> yeah. down. Paul is sort of Paul Bear is acting like he doesn't know what to do. He tells Kane to stop right. at one point. It feels like an angle, but it's also shot like you said. The camera does not shoot it up close at all. They shoot it from very far back, just like they would if a real fan right in there. They they don't shoot it. Um, I don't know. Maybe we both got worked, and maybe this is all storyline. But I I looked up research too. No one really seems to know either online what yeah. actually happened that night. I have no I idea. Couldn't, I couldn't find any information, but like it makes sense storyline wise because the kid had an awesome T-shirt on. But like also just the way they shoot it, it makes you think it's it's for real. So I have no idea. If anyone knows, if you were there that night, if you were this kid, yes. this awesome shirt, they got beat up by Kane. Well, on, I, uh, I don't think he can March talk to us second because he's actually <laughs> dead. That, that guy was murdered by Kane that night. <laughs> he was. He got his lights put out. Yeah. So. Uh, well, then he yeah. almost straight up kills uh, old Mark Yeaton, the timekeeper, too. 
Yeah, Kane does as Paul Barry wishes and grabs Mark Eaton. And again, for those of you who don't know who Mark Eaton is, he's no longer with the company, but he's a timekeeper. He used to sit over there by um, the announcers, and he is the one that throws Stone Cold his beers at the end of every episode of Raw for the next five years. He was so, there for a long, long time. Yeah, he was. So um, I think he still has his Twitter at like timekeeper WWE or something. But anyway, um, nice guy. I've heard him on podcasts. He's a really cool guy. But anyway, Paul Bear um, has Kane. Choke slam him and then tombstone him, and I haven't seen anyone sell a tombstone better than Mark Eaton. So it's so good. That's crazy. Like I don't think he's ever taken a bump before. That, as far as I know, yeah. As far I mean, as I know, yeah. and he just went up straight up there and took a tombstone. Yeah. So so not Kane just killed two guys, <laughs> murdered two guys on the screen, and no one's arresting him. So uh, and then Paul Bearer says Kane has done all that I've told you leeches of the night he's gonna do and. Laugh at the fat man, and you actually hear audible laughs from the crowd at this point, which is awesome. I love it. So, and he says Kane has one tombstone left. So I'm not sure. This is like a video game where you like save up your finishers or something, right. you know, like a SmackDown, and he's only got one little blue bar left or something. I'm not sure, but apparently Kane only has one tombstone left, and who's it going to be for? And so uh, he Paul Bear dares uh, the announcers. Will it be you, yeah. Queenie? Will it be you, Jr.? And they they cut to the announcers and. King is just like pointing at Jr. Just like being, just, yeah. just being the king, man. Just, yeah. He, as long as it's not him, sacrifice his buddy Jr. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. He doesn't care. King is fantastic. He's an unsung hero of this podcast as well. Yeah, I love is, his yeah. commentary. But um, so yeah. And at this point, you know, he gets one tombstone left. The gong hits. The lights go out. The fans pop. Which I'm I'm glad they did because again, the week before or a couple weeks before, they you know heard this music hit and it's been a ruse for two weeks in a, or for two nights or excuse me twice in the same night easy for me to say but the purple and blue lights come on and uh, again bark eaton is just still dead in the ring yeah. he's laying there this whole segment and um go, how many times the bell told you count them i didn't count them i lost count at a, a dozen man it keeps yeah. tolling over and over and over again which is great it's really really building this up <laughs> Paul Bear yeah. starts. He thinks Jr. is doing it. He says, "That's enough right. of that there music, Jr. It's not him. It's not the Undertaker. He's not coming out." Uh, and then the organ music starts playing. Then a casket appears mysteriously on the entryway. Then lightning strikes the casket, and all of a sudden the Undertaker is lying on top of the casket, and he sits up, and the roof blows off of this arena. Man, this was oh yeah epic. This is awesome, man. And I specifically remember, I must have flipped from Nitro to this, like, at this moment, because I will never forget watching this and just seeing that lightning crack down and seeing him sit up. And I, I may not have seen the last few weeks of Raw at this point in my life, you know. Um, I remember what happened at, at Royal Rumble, but I will never forget watching this live, man, as a fan and just seeing that and seeing him sit up. And I was popping huge on my bed, bouncing up and down, just like I'm sure you probably were. We were probably on the phone. I don't know if we were on the phone at this point uh, every Monday night, but we probably were in years to come. So sure. I remember seeing this. And and he's got um, Undertaker. We talk about you know how he's advanced in his career and how things have changed. And at this point, he's wearing something that would eventually put Britney Spears on the map. He's got he's got he's got a cordless wireless headset mic, hands free mic on him. You know, which is interesting. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone in wrestling cut a promo like that. Just no, he's not just, holding a microphone and yeah, uh, gives it again gives it a different appeal. It's it 
sets this segment apart, and he just cuts a heck of a promo here, screaming out. Calling out Kane, saying, you so foolish. You thought you destroyed me at the Royal Rumble, but you cannot destroy that which does not wish to perish. It's so <laughs> epic and over the top, man. Uh, um, I loved it. I loved every minute yeah, of yeah. it. Uh, he says some really, really weird stuff here, though, saying that uh, uh, the fact of the matter is all the times that I disappear, all I'm doing is returning to the world of darkness. It's all on my own accord. It is a time of spiritual healing it is a time for the truth and to know the truth and on this trip all i was doing was soothing the souls of my parents and explaining to them why i would do the one thing i promised never to do which and <laughs> the crowd erupts at that point because they know they, what he's talking know. about he's gonna get his hands on the tape but i just want to say man we can we can confirm as uh, because of the Fab Four TV special that he said that you know when he do, when he goes away for a time it's that spiritual healing so kudos to him for sticking with his own continuity yeah. I don't know if it's a big deal That's or not call. but you know we can we can attest to that that he is this is actually kayfabe like he's goes away from time to time and gets spiritual healing so but yeah talking to his parents souls and explaining that he's gonna have to do that one thing that he promised never to do. And again, you and I both crapped on Vincent Mann and the fact that he has no subtlety. I love the fact that right here, though, that Kane or Undertaker didn't say, I'm going to put my hands on you right now. You know, like, yes. he just said, I'm going to do the one thing I promised never to do. And that's when the crowd just goes crazy. Like, I want to say good job letting us have the subtlety there, you know, because a lot of times Vince shoves it down your throat. But here there was subtlety. You know, he doesn't outright say what he's going to do, but you know what's going on, and it was awesome to watch. And we talked about this on our, I think it was the DX in your house episode about how it's a great storytelling method of your, I think you can hear my dogs in the background now, uh, co-hosts of the show, <laughs> Randy. Uh, uh, but again, you, you, we talked about how it's this great storytelling method of denying the fans what they want to see to make right. them want to see it more. So they've done that for months now. You're not giving us this match right off the bat. And now finally... The Undertaker is going to answer the challenge, uh, but it's not over yet. Uh, Paul Bearer nope. says, you're not the real Phenom anymore. I'm standing next to the real Phenom. And Kane shoots fire onto the stage, and Undertaker walks through the flames just just all confidently. And it's, oh, it's so great, man. I, it's it, awesome. it feels like a movie, dude. It feels like I'm watching The Avengers. or a, a, It's a, just a great, uh, great action movie, man. It's... I, I can't put it over enough. It's awesome. And I want to put it over a little more just the fact this is live television. Yes. They have one shot yes. to get this right. I mean, whether they rehearsed it 40 times or in day or not, I don't know. I didn't look at the stage to see if there were char marks from the, you know, flames, whatever. Who cares? They did this one time and got it right, you know? That's just – that just goes for wrestling in general. It's, it's a live show, you know? And so – they get this right. You're right. It's like a movie. It's very cinematic. The way he, the fire comes up, he has to time it right to walk through it, but not light on fire like he does at, um, what was that, Elimination Chamber 2010? <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get to that eventually too. But yeah, he, he just walks right through the flames here, and he goes on, and he says that, um, I'll walk straight through the fires of hell to face you, Kane. And when you look into the eyes of your older brother, you're going to understand why I am the most feared entity in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, then he goes on to coin some more 
nicknames for himself, like the the Reaper of Wayward Souls, and you. And then he says, "You'll understand why I am the Lord of Darkness." Is that the first time he said that? It's the first time I noticed it. Yeah, yeah. This build is when he starts to use that nickname a lot, and Jr. King started using it a lot too. Yeah. So um, he tells Kane there's one final thing he wants you to think about between now and Mania, and I want you to remember when we were small children and we would begin to fight. He says, mother and father would always be there to pull me off of you. Uh, this time, there won't be anyone to save you. May the hounds of hell eat your rotting soul, and you will rest in peace. And the crowd says, rest in peace with him, which yes. is, man, what so good. What an ending. Yeah. This should, I wish the next week was Mania. I, I wish I know, the six days later was Mania. Yeah. But there's still some good stuff. You know, I think that's yeah. the peak, but there's still some really cool stuff here. Uh, the next week, uh, let's try to get through it here because we, we still got a ways to go. Uh, the next week, March 9th, Raw, episode 250. Uh, Jerry Lawler is interviewing Kane and Paul Bear backstage. And Kane and Paul Bear, or, or, or Paul Bear is the only one talking. He's saying, I, I don't want to talk about The Undertaker. I want to talk about Vader. And starts talking about right. how they <laughs> destroyed Vader. He's trying to ignore the fact The Undertaker came back last week. But they right. do some special effects here where the they're in the locker room and all the doors on the lockers start opening and closing on their own. The lights are flickering. They do stuff all night, actually, throughout the whole yeah. episode where – the camera keeps fuzzing up during different shots. Lights keep flickering in the arena like the Undertaker's presence is there, even though right. he may not be. Uh, is trying to do those mind games with Kane again. Yes, we've got Supernatural Taker is back. You know, he's kind of like his early 90s stuff. He's back, and um, uh, later on in the ring, Paul Bear and Kane are there. And uh, basically, Kane, I'll just briefly sum it up. Paul Bear is talking about, you know, I'm, he, he compares Kane to a stovetop here, and he says that, you know, you turn the notch hotter and hotter and hotter, and it turns all the way into an inferno. Now, I'm I'm no chef, and I have cooked before, but does your, does your stovetop have an inferno setting on it? I, I don't think it does, no. <laughs> okay, but anyway, but, but I do like this here because, again, next month we're going to get to an inferno match. So I like that they're dropping that word here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but it is cool to talk about this. And again... He talks about this is not a game of hide-and-seek. Uh, the lights go off. The lights come back up. Undertaker's in the ring. You know, the crowd pops. The lights go back down. They come back up, and he's gone, which is very reminiscent of – was that the uh, – that was the diesel build. Yeah, Remember the there, diesel? it, it reminded yeah. me of that too. Yeah. A lot of that. So um, – and then Paul Bearer says, you think it's a game, it's not a game, and says that they'll wrestle at Mania. And um, the crowd actually boos because they want to see some physicality here. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. No, but um, but like you mentioned a few episodes ago, man, like I said, just make them wait. You know, make them wait for it. So, well, we will get some physicality the next week on March seventeenth, Raw two fifty one, which takes place on St. Patrick's Day uh, on a Tuesday. Oddly enough, because of <laughs> Raw's created not for the dog Dogs. show, but for a special showing of Moby Dick. Mm, great, the great white whale. Could take down Vincent Man's empire, apparently. Apparently so. Yeah. Oh, but physicality, man. Not Moby Dick, but the Phoenix Suns gorilla comes out on this episode of Raw. (laughs) He does some segments, does some dancing, some silly stuff. He's on commentary, sitting at the commentary table. But he's coming out, and all of a sudden, lights go out while he's in the ring, and he takes, I don't know if it was a worker in the costume, but he takes a picture perfect tombstone. It was a gorilla. What are you talking about? Oh, excuse me. It was a gorilla. Me. Was that a working gorilla? It was a, work, a working gorilla. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, man. He, he gets Mark Eaton a, a run for his money for who can sell a, a tombstone. You're it's right, really man. really good. 
And the JR is just disgusted by this. This is <laughs> yeah. awful. Will someone please come out and help this damn mascot? And it, nowadays, Michael Cole and Byron Saxon would just be cracking up, thinking this is the funniest Yo, thing yeah. ever. But JR is seriously concerned for the gorilla's health, which I appreciated, man. They're taking oh, absolutely. this very seriously. And uh, they will continue to take things seriously as the show continues, because Kane's going to go after another innocent bystander here in the main event segment. Oh, he is. And uh, here, at the main event segment, again, we have Sable and Luna because during this time, their their rivalry is building up. And um, if anyone listens to Pritchard's podcast, they just covered this segment, actually, which we're about to cover. So um, funny timing. But um, anyway, Sable and Luna are in the ring and it's a main event segment. They kind of get physical and um, Undertaker, or, excuse me, Kane's music hits and the lights go out. And for some reason, uh, the... Um, Commentary still has no idea what's happening when his music hits and the lights go out. Seriously, just, it's been like yeah. You go back and watch October. these draws. Every time the lights go out, Jared's like, "What is happening? What what could this yeah. be?" He's like, "What? Yeah. Huh? What? Lights went out? Yeah. Oh my god, it's Kane! Yeah, it's always yeah. Kane or the other <laughs> thing. One or the other. Yeah. Every time. So anyway, but speeding this up, uh, Marrow decides to flee the ring to go quote unquote get some help yeah. for Sable, which I was it. What a what a smarmy heel move. It's awesome. Mark so, Marrow, Paul... underrated heel. Underrated oh, yeah. Heel. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Perfect heel, man, here. Uh, so Paul Bear instructs Kane to get Sable and, and chokeslam her probably. And at this point, the lights go back out and the gong hits multiple, multiple times. And this time, Taker is revealed not in a casket, but somewhere else in on the, uh, on the Raw stage. And tell us where that was. Undertaker is standing on top of the Titan Tron. Uh, yeah. Which is, again, something we've never seen. He's a, He's got the wireless microphone on again and cuts a promo on Kane from up top there. Says, I will strike down upon thee with vengeance and anger. That uh, verse from Ezekiel, I think, that we yep. talked about and quoted. He's, he's used that before. It's the yeah. one they use in Pulp Fiction, all that sort of stuff. And you will know my name as the Lord of Darkness. I felt your wrath, and now you're going to feel mine. And then he does another cool special effect here. He, uh, uh, All of a sudden, a casket appears on the stage. Undertaker shoots lightning down on it, sets this casket on fire, and we zoom in on the casket, and there is an effigy of Kane burning in this casket. So Undertaker yeah. sending a clear message about what he's going to do to Kane at WrestleMania, all the while rescuing Sable, who... Yeah. <laughs> JR is screaming out on commentary. She's not a mascot. She's not a timekeeper. She sure as hell isn't Vader. She's just a woman. Just incredulous <laughs> that Kane would attack her. But uh, I just want to say, man, you, you've brought up Batman a lot on this show. This segment right here with Undertaker standing on top of the Titan Tron, yeah. uh, cutting this epic promo, this reminded me more of anything of a superhero, of, of Batman. Um, it's just, it's all very cinematic. Um, something really very is. different than anything we've we're seeing on anything else in wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even him disappearing and appearing the week before, you know, that's all Batman stuff too. You know, yeah. I don't know who's a Batman fan in the back. I'm not sure if Russo is a big Batman. I think Pritchard likes comic books, but anyway, uh, whatever. I'm not sure who it was, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff, man. Re- again, reminiscent of Sting's storyline over against the W against yeah, the NWO, but. But um, not a copy though. I just just a, just an homage almost to it. Not a copy, but um, yeah, really, really Batman esque. You know, he's more of a superhero at this point, and lots of uh, supernatural things going on. 
um, which will take their peak this coming week on on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, this go home show. show. Yeah, so we got Raw 252 from March 23rd. And uh, I remember watching this one vividly as well, because um, I remember I knew Mania's in six days. I'm going to watch Raw, you know. I'm sure I was flipping back and forth between Nitro as well, but I remember seeing this stuff too. But um, they replay this angle, and then we see Undertaker sitting by his parents' gravesite. He looks like a lonely poet, <laughs> just sitting there, like running his hands through his hair, and he's a, he's apologizing. He he does. He runs his hands. The through lonely his, poet. His, that's yeah. <laughs> that's a t-shirt the lonely poet the picture of taker but um he's sitting there and he's he asks his parents to for forgiveness he says mother please forgive me for the sin which i'm about to commit a sin so heinous but it's something that must be done and in the end I only hope that together, as one, we can rest in peace, a family once again. When he says that, I just want you to know that I love you. And um, you might want to call it corny or cheesy or whatever, but like, it was, I don't know, I mean, it was surreal. It was really cool to like, and, and another human touch of this supernatural character. I, I liked it a I lot. I think Undertaker so. sells it really, really well here. He does. Uh, yeah. Some people give Undertaker some crap on let's say he's you know some of his promos are kind of corny and he's really not the best promo person but you know he can turn it on when he needs to yeah I think absolutely this was again it's felt very cinematic it feels different yep. than anything else on the show and i think it's important it, it ties in this whole storyline ties it back to this to what it was all about from the beginning of undertaker Burning down the house, burning down, uh, killing his parents. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Burning down the house. Yeah. It, it brings that exactly. connection back up here. Um, and Kane is going to respond immediately afterward. He's going to come out and um, him and Paul Bear are going to have a little uh, demonstration here. A uh, demonstration, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Matt, Matt Hardy. <laughs> demonstration. demonstration. Nice. Nice little pun there. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I do want to say Jr. has a great line here, and he reminds us that this match at Mania is not about championships; it's personal. Which I do, you know, it's true. Most of the matches are championship matches; they're about that. But this is two brothers fighting, you know, for their lives, trying to literally kill each other. Probably, you know, they're lighting each other on fire and stuff like that. So, um, but Paul bears out, and he says, you know, he's tired of the Gaga, and he's tired of, you know, he he tells the fans that Kane has the same powers that Undertaker does, and he says, show them what you can do. Uh, and here we take this supernatural stuff to a whole other level. Yeah, Kane goes on a run here. He shoots a lightning bolt up at the ceiling. He shoots one towards the announce table and blows up one of their monitors. Uh, Paul Bearer says, that spotlight has been on my eyes all night. Why don't you take care of that? <laughs> Kane shoots it up at the lighting truss and makes that explode. And then Kane gives Undertaker free reign, lets him uh, have one of his own. So Kane... Sets a crew member on fire and kills a guy for the third time in this past month. Uh, you know, it just—it's funny. It's—it's kind—it's it, over the top, dude. Because yeah, cause... we've seen the security guard arresting Stone Cold all these weeks. We've seen man so worried about that. Kane's out here straight up murdering people and uh, yeah, whatever. Okay, go, yeah. goes, go backstage, do what you want. I, I guess everyone's yeah. just afraid of him. I guess I don't Probably. know, but. It's, uh, except for that fan in the front row. Except for that fan, yeah, he went straight after him. Um, it made me think, though, man. It, you know, you can't 
it, you have to put your logic aside with wrestling, especially sure. with Undertaker and Kane. You got to yes. take it for what it is. Michael Cole had a line in here. He said, what's going to happen when the mystical powers of the Undertaker clash with the fire of that man, Kane? Which made me think, okay, all month long, they've been shooting lightning bolts at each other. Or not at not at each other. They've been shooting lightning bolts right. across the arena, setting things on fire all of a sudden, coming back from the dead. And at WrestleMania 14, they're going to have a straight-up wrestling match. It's <laughs> very true. Why did they never do like, an all-powers legal match, no-powers-barred <laughs> match? Why did they not ever do a match where they were shooting lightning uh, at each other? I'm uh, honestly kind of surprised they never tried to do something like that. Yeah, uh, do you um, think something like that could have worked? Could they have made something like that work? Uh, Probably like a pre-tape. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, I bet they could have, man. I bet they could have done something like Boiler Room Brawl or something, you know, yeah. like backstage and – Dude, that is amazing that that didn't happen ever in their it's entire shocking. history. That is shocking. Scepter on a scepter on a pole. It could have been like you know, like Return of the Jedi when the Emperor's sitting there, like shocking Luke, you know, back and forth, and he's fighting back. And it could have been very cinematic. Very. That that is weird that they just have a straight wrestling match. Yeah. I never that never crossed my mind. That's very true though. I guess you could say we're gonna go in and settle it like men. We're not gonna not gonna go for the power. We're just gonna see who's the strongest one. As far as those skills go, I don't know. It's just, it's funny. That's all I can say. Yeah. It's weird, though, to me how, like, this personal issue has kind of turned into, like, this one-upsmanship. Like, the movie The Prestige, where these two two magicians are one-upping each other week after week after week after week. Um, That's one of your favorites. It's just, it is one of my favorites. Big Christopher Nolan mark, too. Uh, Anyway, so, I just thought it was was weird. It's kind of a strange twist that this feud has taken. Not a bad one, not a bad way, but it is... And we'll see when we get to the match. The match is what it is, but um, yeah, it's just strange. But again, this is the first, uh, their first meeting, so it's the first chapter when it comes to that, you know, this feud, um, or their actual physical confrontation. So it's all good. And you know what else is strange? Kane and Pete the Rose. Main... <laughs> <laughs> that is strange. That is strange. I oh yeah, you were oh, said that the main it. event, That's the main good. event of the Raw before WrestleMania 14 is the main event of WrestleMania 15 next year. That is kind of strange. Stone Cold and The Rock and the main event of next year's Mania is the main event on this episode of Raw. Pretty cool. Yeah, but weirder than that. You're right, man. Pete Rose and Kane. This brings us to WrestleMania 14 in Boston, Massachusetts at the Fleet Center. March 29th, 98. King and Jay are on commentary. But before we get to the match, we have to talk about Pete Rose. Yes, there is a, you know, like we said, this is the second match from the top. Second to the main event. Uh, There's a long video package building it up, filling in all of the background from all these different months. So after a year-long build-up for their very first match, the Fink comes out and introduces legendary baseball player Pete Rose, who comes out to be the ring announcer here and immediately turns heel. (laughs) Last time I was here, we kicked your butt. You can't win a World Series just cutting this vicious promo on Boston, (laughs) which is... It's awesome. Like, why did Pete Rose not go full time into wrestling? Uh, He's how about heel. it? How about it? <laughs> I have no yeah, idea. His new catchphrase. It is. How about he says it several times. He was a perfect heel commentator or, or whatever. He'll, he's like Cornette, you know? Like, he could have been just like a Cornette or a Paul Heyman. It'd been great. But uh, yeah, he's out there. And then I have no idea why he didn't do more in wrestling. But um, he becomes a big part of WWE history uh starting here it all starts here 
Kane so. comes out. He's got some giant fireballs going off behind him in his entrance. Yeah, which looks really cool. And and one of those bizarre only in wrestling moments, Kane picks up Pete Rose, gives him a tombstone just for the heck of it. The crowd goes nuts. It's yeah. He turns babyface here for a second. It's hilarious. It's bizarre. It's memorable. It's kind of in character because he's been attacking all these random people. uh, The gorilla and Mark Eaton and Sable and all these things. But it's also very, very strange when you've had this serious buildup. He's been such a monster heel. And you give him this babyface moment, which they knew was going to be a babyface moment. Right. I've never understood it. I've never understood the psychology of the storytelling like aspect of that. Like, why would you take all this heat from him the last, whatever, eight months and then take it away? I mean, he gets it back once the match starts. I guess maybe that's their justification is, okay, it's okay, he's going to get it back, you know? But um, it was very strange to put him over such a big baby face right here, right before this match. It may be like a week or two beforehand on Raw it would have worked out, but it is weird storytelling wise to do it right now but it's still a classic i love it, it. it's, it's wonderful starts a three-year feud and ends up having pete rose be inducted as the first celebrity member of the hall of fame all yeah. going back to this so uh, how about it how about that's all you need to say <laughs> <laughs> uh, undertaker makes a epic entrance here man one of yes. his first really truly uh, epic entrances. I mean, talk about that for a second. Yeah, so his mania entrance. So, you know, the lights go out, <clears throat> crowd pops huge, you got thunder again, thunder rolls, so you got the blue or purple lights, whatever, depending on if you're colorblind or not, but um, they're, they're on there and then out come these druids. These are better druids. They're not from Jabronis or us or whatever. They're better. Um, and they high, hold high these... High class druids. <laughs> high class druids of the top order, yeah. They, uh, top order druids. They're holding these flaming torches, which... Um, watching this just took me back to when we were at Mania 20. We'll talk to that later, but just I didn't realize how I, how similar that entrance was at 20 to this yeah, one right here. Yeah. But um, we'll talk about that later on. It's one of his best podcasts. This one's really cool. Again, you got that uh, – what's that song called that plays beforehand? It's that classic chanting song. Yeah, it's called O Fortuna. Uh, uh, okay. I don't know who yeah. is the original composer of it. I don't remember, but it's – you recognize it as soon as you hear it. Yeah, yeah. But I guess they got the you know the license to that, or maybe it's just public domain. But anyway, that plays, which is a really cool little tweak and addition to his entrance here. But they, it's playing, and the, these druids make a torch tunnel basically, and then a bolt of lightning strikes uh, the entrance way, and Undertaker's real music hits, and he comes out, and he's got a little bit of a new outfit. You know, if you guys remember last year, he was rocking his old school outfit with his gloves and everything. And here he's got his, his, what will become to be known as his Lord of darkness cloak. He's got the real high collar on. It looks like a villain from a, a Dracula movie, honestly, um, or it looks like Dracula, honestly. Um, he's got this Lord of darkness, uh, collar or, or high collar cloak. And I think Jr. even calls him the Prince of darkness here when he walks out. So, uh, the, just the aura, the presence is yeah. just off the charts. It really feels like a WrestleMania match, especially given all the build and given that we've kind of compacted it and watched all the build here for us here in just a, a couple months span. It really, really feels cool to see yeah. how it's all played out and all led up, led up to this, their very first matchup. And yeah. it uh, it's really, really cool. Uh, Undertaker... Actually, once they get in the ring, he does something we rarely see. Undertaker strikes first. And, you know, we usually see his opponents trying to strike first blood, but he goes after Kane first here to, to kick yeah. things off. Which is a is a cool 
nuance there because again like you said we can tell that because we've watched all these pay-per-view matches he is always attacked second it seems or he's attacked first he gets excuse me he gets attacked first we have here him being on the offensive and punching him and kane no sells it you know just like it's very reminiscent of early undertaker matches where he would no sell really cool they do those uh, spots where usually we see um someone backing undertaker into the corner and him throwing them around well they kind of reverse that and kane yeah uh, gets pushed into the corner and he turns around and throws Undertaker into the corner. Uh, again, they're, they're playing into the subtle stuff that we usually see in all the Undertaker's matches and showing how Kane is his equal. Yeah, absolutely. They're very, very, uh, what's this, what's this phrase? Tit for tat, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. Um, yeah, I don't want to say it the wrong way like no, Dwight I... did in the office. But, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so, uh, yeah, but then the uh, short arm clothesline by Kane, you know, he's using Taker's moves, uh, but Taker immediately sits up after that. And there's kicks and punches and um, a lot of just brawling almost. It's not, um, at this point in the match, not a lot of wrestling. But again, if you think of two brothers fighting each other, mm-hmm. you know, if me and my brother get in a fight, I'm not going to put him in a lion tamer. I'm going to punch him and low blow him and hit him in the gut and stuff, you know. I'm not going to do wrestling moves on him, so... Uh, Kane goes for a tombstone at one point early on, and Undertaker wiggles out of it. And then <laughs> Undertaker does something here, which we've never seen before. He just hops up on onto Kane's shoulders like a freaking cruiserweight. Just jumps up oh, on top yeah. of him like he's going to do a victory roll or something. But Kane gives him an electric chair drop straight down, which was, again, seeing new things what? out of the Undertaker and Kane here. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, he doesn't do it at all every match, which is which is, makes it great when he does unique stuff like that. So it's awesome. And at this point, I just wrote my notes that um, Paul Bear is just such a great heel on the outside here, yes. just talking crap to Undertaker and encouraging Kane and just, you know, calling the shots here. And Kane's in control, and apparently the ref is distracted when he hits Undertaker with the steps the first time. But then he does it again. The ref's staring straight at him. He apparently doesn't care. I don't know, man. I just we've we've crapped on the referees here uh, sometimes, particularly during these Undertaker matches. They just seem to let things go. I don't know. Well, that comes later on. It happens too with something else I'll talk about. But. I guess you could say he's afraid of what these uh, yeah. are. He's going to give them a lot of leeway here. Um, he's yeah. clearly seen Undertaker and Kane fight before. Apparently, Jim Ross has never seen an Undertaker match before. Because he says the most frustrating thing on commentary. I'd be redundant, but I've never seen the Undertaker take a hand up like this. Man, oh man. And as we've mentioned on <laughs> so many episodes of this podcast, you literally could not be any more redundant, Jim Ross, because you say that in every single Undertaker match, that he's never taken a beating like this before. Um, yeah. At first, with Mankind, it made sense. It was true. But now, at this point, it's just a farce. You know? it's every just, match. It's just a soundbite. It's like he can't help himself from saying it. So, But the crowd's good here. The crowd's giving some real good heat to Bear and Kane and using those Steve Austin fingers to flick, flick off the Paul Bear and Kane. <laughs> that was stuff, pretty funny. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah but um, and I just I just made a note, too, that um, apparently Kane, I think at this point, is when they go back into the ring and uh, Kane suplexes Taker from the apron into the ring and um, hits a lariat and he chokeslams Taker, which gets a two count because, not because Taker stayed down, but because Kane actually lifts him back up on after two. Yeah. Yeah. Neat really li- neat little nuance there. Yeah, very neat little addition into the story there cuz Kane Kane easily could have won there it seems like, but he yeah. wants to inflict more punishment on him. 
Um, again, that puts over Kane strong. We're going to talk about that here, that Kane, you know, not a spoiler to say he loses this match, but he looks very, very strong in defeat in a lot of different ways. And part yeah. of it's because of that. Um, and I said, it's really cool, except instead of doing something awesome after picking him up after the choke slam, he just puts him in a chin lock. <laughs> yeah. What? You, yeah, you, okay. you pick him up after that. Like you want to inflict more punishment and then you go into a <laughs> rear chin lock for three minutes. Uh, what are you talking about? It didn't make sense, but I guess in 20 years, Kane's been away. He's been in wrestling school, so because they never they never mentioned that that he's yeah, a wrestler. How he learned how to wrestle. Here's your yeah. Here's your brother from 20. I guess for 20 years he's in the dungeon or somewhere learning how to sleeper hold somebody. I don't know. Or maybe he doesn't know how to wrestle. All he knows is how to do is sleeper holds. I don't know. Never really explained here in kayfabe land. But well, I guess um, Paul Bear taught him. I don't know, but um, Paul Bear. <laughs> Paul Barrett goes back to conducting his opus on the outside, man, during this chin lock. He does a great <laughs> job of working the crowd and, and trying to keep yeah. the crowd invested while Kane's got this chin lock on forever. Yeah, he does. And um, commentary selling it good. Well, and Undertaker fights out, I believe, at this point and gives him uh, gives him a clothesline. But then Taker gets knocked down again, and we get into sleeper hold number two. Yeah. At this point, I just wrote the crowd's a little bit quiet right now. They are. They um, are. To this, but uh, but Taker, Taker does pick get it up out. here in a minute. Yeah, Taker suplexes Kane onto the top rope, but crotches him on top rope, which I thought was unique. You don't see Taker do that a lot, but then he big boots Kane off the apron, but Kane lands. He lands on his feet, Perfect just team. like his big brother. Yeah, <laughs> just like his brother. And here's the high spot of the match. Uh, please walk us through this. Well, we see the Undertaker do that giant flying cow dive onto Kane on the outside. <laughs> that we saw back at Ground Zero. But Kane slides out of the way and sort of directs Undertaker through the Spanish announce table. Man, it's a huge spot yeah. here. Again, it w- it's happened before, but it wasn't quite as commonplace at this time. So it was sure. still a big deal to see somebody go through the announce table, especially on a dive like that. Yeah. He just kind of goes headfirst through the table. Uh, and Kane continues to go after him like you said there again the referee is going to give a lot of leeway here because <laughs> kane starts beating on there and taking with part of that table exactly i just wrote this ref man geez what's wrong with him so uh but yeah you're right maybe he doesn't want dq who wants to dq either one of these guys right so right um yeah right. But it's, what a cool spot you know cool high spot the crowd did enjoy that you know you can they come back up for that so but then we get back in the ring and kane hits a diving clothesline that he'll become iconic for yeah off the um, top rope Where yeah he gets moves. a two yeah, I love that. No one does it like Kane. It's awesome. He gets two count, and then he punches um, punches Taker. And Taker kind of has his hands up, almost like an MMA fighter or a boxer kind of blocking, you know, which I think is just a cool little – I don't know. I think it's cool to see somebody sell like that, you know, not just taking punches to the face. He's trying to sell it. He's trying to cover up, you know, because uh, Taker always sells so well. He's so underrated in his selling. He is, absolutely. And he's going to fight out of it and go for a tombstone. Undertaker is – but Kane flips over, hits his own tombstone, and does the Undertaker cover where he's yeah uh, lifts, uh, crosses his arms over his body, and Taker barely gets a shoulder up here. Really good near fall, uh, and I think a lot of people in the crowd could have definitely bought that as the finish there. Oh sure, I, I would have. It yeah. would have been easy to see that be the end, especially after the beating. He's take jumping to the Spanish announce table and stuff, you know. So would have made sense. We see some more back and forth, and like you said, this really feels like a fight between a couple of brothers, man. Not just a wrestling match at this point. Yeah, you know, we've seen some 
stuff that did feel like a wrestling match with the chin lock, but then they go back into just having a fight with each other. JR says he thinks Undertaker's sort of doing a rope-a-dope strategy, letting Kane wear himself out on him. Undertaker, clearly an experienced performer, a two-time WWF champion. He's been around a lot longer. It kind of makes sense here that he's uh, using that that skill set that he's developed over the years in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, and he is able to get a choke slam on Kane, hits the tombstone on Kane, goes for the cover, and in a very historic moment, Kane becomes the first person with an asterisk next to it, the first person <laughs> to kick out of a tombstone, which is yep. pretty incredible after all these years. Yeah, because I think you and I, even watching this and texting back and forth before we recorded, thought that that wasn't true. But it is as far as we can go. Tell I know you and I both thought Hogan kicked out, but he didn't. He took a tombstone and got up immediately. There was no pinfall. Right. He just no-sold it at all. Thanks, thanks, brother. And then uh, we thought Goldust did, but he was the first one to reverse the tombstone. But um, tell us about that asterisk you found there, though. Yeah, like you, know, like you said, we both were thinking – and, and I think, too, because JR is always exaggerating how, oh, this is the worst we've ever seen Undertaker get beaten. <laughs> yeah. I thought, well, surely someone has kicked out. I could have sworn he did. Like I said, I was misremembering Goldust reversing a tombstone. Uh, he didn't kick out of a tombstone. But, yeah, uh, apparently the only time it happened um, as far as a televised match was on a Coliseum home video on Rampage 91, which is actually in the uh, – section of costume videos on the network so you can go find it pretty easy easily undertaker's facing ultimate warrior and ultimate warrior kicks out at two of a tombstone uh so that is the only time recorded that anyone had kicked out of a tombstone before this but that's a pretty rare occurrence i guess i don't i guess that doesn't count in canon so i i can can buy them saying this is the only time anyone's kicked out of a tombstone a lot of people aren't going to remember that Coliseum video match. We didn't remember it. I had to do some research. Yeah. But uh, so not well, technically the first, but we'll give it to them. Well, they didn't remember that Undertaker lost a go- uh, uh, casket match to Goldust either. So we'll, we'll take it. That's why we had to research it. But yeah, as far as we know, this is the first time anyone's ever kicked out. So big, big moment. Um, there's a video online of WWE. We'll put it on social media about everyone who's ever kicked out of a tombstone. So, and he is the first one. So again, that's not enough, though. Kane hits a. I mean, excuse me, Undertaker hits a leg drop, Kane sits up, hits a second tombstone to Kane, and Kane, quote-unquote, kicks out. He seems really gassed at this point. For, to me, he seemed like he was really – he he gets it right at like 2.999. He lifts his shoulder up barely. It's not one of those cookouts where he's throwing his shoulder from the apron. He just kind of barely gets it up. So um, Paul Bear seems kind of gassed too. He nearly has a heart attack <laughs> on the outside of the yeah. ring at this, and JR says he can't have a heart attack. He doesn't have a heart. classic classic yeah Kane sits up Undertaker hits the top rope with a top rope clothesline of his own (sighs) all the way across the ring yeah all the way across the ring (laughs) Kane sits up again he's he's just the monster who will not go down Uh, this just has an epic feel to it towards the end I've used that word a lot but it kind of feels like that Uh, and Undertaker hits one more tombstone three tombstones Kane is kicked out yep. of two. Undertaker hits a third one, and oddly enough, does not do the signature Undertaker. Yeah, pin. he just uh, shoots the half. Uh, yeah, hooks a leg, and gets the one, two, three, and Kane kicks out right at three, right here, just barely 
missing the uh, the ref's hand going down to continue to look strong here at the end. Yeah, he does the old. Let me say too, this match it was I think it was about seventeen minutes. It was sixteen fifty eight or something, right at seventeen minutes. So that he he um, gets the pinfall. But yeah, he kicks out at three point one basically, like King Kong Bundy did. And but he doesn't roll out of the ring and pout like Bundy did and yeah. stomp up the the ring the rampway. He it, it makes him look strong, you know, because there's this feud is going to continue. Um, he still looks protected, you know. He doesn't look like a, a dunce here. But um, at this point, Paul Bear slides a chair into the ring, and Kane, uh, excuse me, he goes to get Kane, and Taker punches Paul right in the face, which I just <laughs> love, I love it. Anytime he punches Paul Bear in the face, I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> but the Undertaker falls over sort of out of exhaustion yeah. here after yeah. punching Paul Bear, which allows Kane to attack Undertaker with the chair. And then hit him with a tombstone on top of the chair. So, yeah. again, Undertaker won the battle, but not quite the war. Right. Great way to get your heat back, you know. Um, great way to get your heat back on Kane's part. And the crowd's just booing, just showering Kane and Paul Barry with boos as they leave the ring. And Taker sits up um, eventually to a really, really good good pop as, as those guys, the heels, retreat up the rampway. And he rolls out. Taker does, and he's selling that beating really well. He doesn't just walk up like he hadn't, you know, he doesn't walk up and smile at the fans and wave at him. He's he's selling like he just got beat up. Yeah, you know, stumbles all the way to the back. Yeah, and Jr. foreshadows this. He says this feud is far, far from over. So yes, um, and which it is, is true. <laughs> and yeah. It is. Well, uh, I know you were kind of uh, dancing around it there. You, you said you didn't quite like this match too much. It's not. It's just that. I just wrote that I'm glad that the um, the feud is far, far from over because I wanted more, you know? I mean, I, and this is not the first time I watched this match. I remember watching it back in 98, renting it on VHS, but I just, you know, watching this, I, I kind of wanted it to be um, like a, you know, let's see, trying to relate it to somebody nowadays. Just like a vicious, brutal street fight. Like Triple H and, and Mick Fuller, or Cactus Jack from Royal Rumble 2000. You know, they just brutalize each other, you know, or, or even Mankind and Undertaker. I wanted to see something a little more like that, but because this is the first part of, um, you know, several chapters here in this story, it makes sense. So I wanted to kind of recant my statement. I'm not disappointed in this match by any means, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the blow off I wanted. But again, it's because it's not the blow off. Right. There's more to come. We're going to cover something super iconic next week on Talking Taker. Um, it's taken to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think this match it it fits the story. It uh, it's yeah, not, it does. If you if you watch it in a bubble, yeah, it's 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 okay. Uh, thumbs exactly. in the middle kind of match. Um, definitely that that long chin lock segment, and, and I've got nothing against a good chin lock. You know, it's an no. important part of a match. I know why it's there. It feels a little out of place here, especially right after that spot where he chokeslams him and picks him up like he's gonna inflict more damage it feels really right but i think this match it fits the build-up to it and it it feels like the payoff of what we've seen the first part of it like you said there's gonna be a lot more to it and the feud's gonna continue i think it works for what it is and it's one of those times where really it's not about going out there and having a five-star match it's it's really about the build and the story and all that going into it that's the important part and, you know, the important part here is that Undertaker does, he gets the best of Kane, but he definitely does not finish off Kane. And it's not a slip right. on a banana peel finish, you know. No. Undertaker is the better man this night, but he he cannot destroy Kane. He gets the exactly. pinfall, 
but he doesn't kill the monster, and the monster is still very, very strong and is still going to come after him again, which raises a point here as we're closing out. I just wanted to bring something up. You know, uh, we talked about the Undertaker streak. It is he goes to seven and zero here at WrestleMania, and they, you know they mentioned the streak. They admit, they mentioned the Undertaker's strong record at WrestleMania, but the streak's not a thing here at this point. It's not the storyline right. that is building into everything the Undertaker does here. We don't have any backstage information. We don't have any secrets or anything like that. But tell me what you think about this. I really think I, I would even guarantee you that at some point there was. There had to be discussions backstage about having Kane win this match. Uh, Oh, I'm sure. He was probably the closest, definitely up to this point, and maybe even ever, the closest they've ever been to having Undertaker lose at WrestleMania uh, would have been to Kane here. Because we've talked about how Kane was brought in. This was just supposed to be a one-time deal. This was just supposed to be a six-month build to this match, something for Undertaker to do, and then Undertaker will move on to something else. Maybe they'll do something with Kane, maybe not. But clearly, Kane has been so strong in this role with Paul Bearer by his side. They're going to extend this feud. Kane's going to become his own iconic character. I guarantee you they were talking, they went back and forth, uh, possibly having Kane win this match to extend the feud that way. I would bet all my money on that. Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. You know somebody brought it up, you know, and they at least, you know, threw it around backstage. I, I, I say that with full confidence. There's no way they were just like, nope, he's losing. Like, it's it had to have been brought up. And it would have made sense, but I guess I bet if it was that No Way Out or if it was the next month, you know, if it hadn't have been at WrestleMania, they probably would have made that happen. Because, you know, you want to see the good guy go down at first and then. It's like a trilogy of movies, you know. The good guy's down down his luck at first, and then he comes back and has a great win. That's that's good wrestling 101. So, but yeah, the fact that Kane still looks strong though after this is is great for a piece of storytelling here. But yeah, I would agree, man. I think that this was probably the closest anyone ever came to having that victory at WrestleMania. Can you imagine if it was six and one? Well, that's what I'm streak. saying. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, we probably would not be here talking about things without yeah. the Undertaker streak as it is. So, just an interesting. Side note of what if going on here. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this match and about this build, all that sort of stuff. You know where to contact us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TalkingTaker, as well as all the comment pages on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube, where you can get all of our episodes as well. And if you'd like to support the show, uh, you know you can always go to T Public and pick up a Taker Easy T-shirt to support us monetarily. Or just by going to one of those podcasting services, giving us a five-star review, and letting your friends know about it. Sharing the podcast with people, that's the best thing that can help us out. And we do appreciate your fandom, everybody catching out, everybody being patient with us as we've gone along for 44 episodes every Friday. Uh, We had to push it back two days for this episode, so it is out there now. Hope you can enjoy it. And we do plan on being back this Friday for another very, very memorable match. Yeah. Boy, it is something else. Unforgiven 98, the Inferno match. Quite a bit to it's talk a, about there. It's a doozy. You're talking about streaks breaking. I think um, everybody's been wondering where the Universal Champion Brock Lesnar has been since he's got his wonderful title reign. And may, we're just going to let you guys know that he came and actually broke our streak. We're the reason he can't. We were. He's the reason we weren't on this past Friday, so we apologize. But um, anyway, hopefully he'll show up soon. But anyway, that's what happened here, and uh, yeah, thank you all. This is a supersized episode, because it's been a long, long build. 
lot to talk about, a lot to cover. There was 10 weeks of Raw in between, <laughs> between Raw and between Royal Rumble and, and this. So thanks for being patient with us. We gave you a supersized episode because we were a couple days late. Um, but thanks again. We'll be, we'll be back Friday with the next episode, number 46, covering the Inferno match. So um, if you were there at Boston, Massachusetts, if you were the dude that got beat up weeks before, let us know. We want to hear from you. And uh, most importantly, take her easy. <laughs> Thank you.